In the public arena, people often refer to evangelical Christians. Is Christianity limited to a certain political view? Today we'll discuss a document called an Evangelical Manifesto that says, among other things, Christians are too political. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. All right, I'm glad to be back with you again. It's Wednesday in this week. We've been having a great time together. I uh, am grateful to be able to spend a few minutes with you talking tonight about the Evangelical Manifesto that was just put out today. We don't want to uh, overemphasize its significance, but it does say uh, a couple of important things that we want to be able to uh, get to in just a few minutes, and it's not just uh, me here today. Actually, Denny Burke is joining me, Associate Professor of New Testament here at Criswell College, and he's frequently hosted the show and been a part of the show. So, Denny, great to be with you today. Thank you very much. Appreciate your spending the time with us. Uh, before we get to the Evangelical Manifesto, and I know uh, if you're listening out there, you're thinking to yourself, well, what do I care about some academic evangelical manifesto? And you may not in general, but there are some things in it that are important to what we claim about how we live out our Christianity. So I'm going to invite you to hang on, uh, stay tuned in, because we do need to talk about these issues. And in fact, I'm going to invite you to call in in a few minutes and give us your input on what it means to be identified as a legitimate Christian or as a, a person who stands for a certain set of things that allow us to be bonded together in our work for Christ or how we represent him in the world. So we're going to ask about that. We're also just going to ask about how involved you think we ought to be in politics, speaking of which, uh, you can hardly avoid the fact that there is a significant development over the last uh, day in the primaries that took place in Indiana and North Carolina. Of course, the most significant development is, uh, Denny, I think we'd all agree, uh, the most important development uh, just, just transpired in these uh, primaries is that John McCain somehow has managed to hang on to the Republican nomination so far. <laughs> Who so, would have uh, thunk it? Yeah, that's the big thing. So, But aside from that, I think there was something else going on in the primaries yesterday. Uh, obviously, Barack Obama... Uh, as was predicted, uh, ended up winning North Carolina. Here is uh, him addressing some of his supporters after the North Carolina win. Thank you, North Carolina. Thank you so much. Now, of course, he's grateful for the win, and uh, I don't think it's any surprise. No surprise to you, right? No surprise to me, but I am surprised to hear that Ron Paul is apparently still getting votes in places. You just mentioned you're surprised <laughs> McCain is hanging on to the nomination, but I think uh, yeah. Ron Paul's getting to votes. That's really just a protest vote, right? I mean, uh, don't you think? Yeah, or he's got some really committed followers, I think. He does, but they're 
They're sort of all the libertarians. They're there. basically uninformed. Well, right? you know. Okay, no, I, I won't I, go okay. that far. Okay, I'm not going to say that. They're not uninformed, but they're immature. How's that? <laughs> no, not that either. Uh, no, I, I mean I respect some of the libertarian position, but I mean really, it's absurd to make some of the You're claims that it makes the other. Never mind. Okay, uh, here's the deal. Uh, Barack Obama also was talking to supporters in Raleigh, North Carolina, and making the claim, and this is obviously what he would want to say, uh, that he's on his way to the party's nomination. We stand less than 200 delegates away from securing the Democratic nomination for President of the United States. Now, that is a little more disputable, although I think a lot of people are starting to feel the momentum going that direction. Now, that's what I hear. Is that what you're hearing, too? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, as best as I can tell, it looks like I don't see how Hillary Clinton could possibly put this together to, to win the nomination. It's it's not yeah. impossible. There could be a total meltdown, I suppose, right. but that it just doesn't seem very likely. Right. And it, you hear all the... the the professional talking head, political talking heads, are are now pretty much saying leaning that, towards Barack. Uh, yeah, saying yeah. that's it. I understand. Uh, the uh, of course, the reason he's always saying he wants to be president is so he can bring change. We are facing two wars: an economy in turmoil, a planet in peril, a dream that feels like it's slipping away for too many Americans. We can't afford to give John McCain the chance to serve out George Bush's third term. Oh, man, George Bush's third term. They love to bring that up, don't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I look forward to change, don't you? You look forward to change, don't well, you? Well, I think it's important for us to remember there's two kinds of change. Change for the better and change for the worse. Oh, I thought all change was good. Isn't all no. change good? <laughs> well, uh, I think the candidates don't want the voters to think through that distinction. Uh, you know, if I were, uh, yeah, and uh, as Heraclitus pointed out, by the way, a couple of thousand years ago, the only constant is change. We're going to have change, you know. I, I Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. We don't have time because this is not the topic for today. Although I will say in the other state of significant primary yesterday, Indiana, uh, Hillary Clinton is the one who won that vote. And uh, after winning that Indiana primary yesterday, or at least predicting that she had won, uh, she was telling supporters that she was going to stay in the race. It's full speed onto the White House. I don't know why she didn't go through all the states list that uh, you know we've heard before Howard Dean make <laughs> with the scream uh, at the anyway, end, anyway, sort of a Johnny Cash type song, uh, but she didn't. Uh, and anyway, she she is committed to the idea that uh, this race is still alive, and that uh, at least she publicly expresses that she believes uh, that it's going to come down to, uh, I guess, the Democratic convention because she, you know, she even uh, poised this so that it would sound like. Um, Indiana was the tiebreaker in this last rate of, uh, race of three states. Here's what she said. My opponent made a prediction. He said um, I would probably win Pennsylvania. He would win North Carolina. And Indiana would be the tiebreaker. Well... <laughs> I do have to comment, even after she says that, I, I was thinking to myself, didn't I hear her say in a speech in North Carolina, and this is just from me, I think I heard this, that she said to the North Carolinians, uh, they have predicted that, uh, you know, Barack Obama is going to win the race, but but I think you're going to change this race. I think you're going to be the ones who say what's going to happen in this. But she's not going back to any of that today. Anyway, what do you think of her winning Indiana make any difference? Well, you know, it's interesting that clip you just paid, played from the speech last night i watched right. that speech and oh yeah that speech had two parts to it really the one at the beginning that sounded like yeah we're taking this all the way to the convention and you know we're still in this to win and then there was the other part that was and no oh, by the way 
no matter who the nominee is, I will su- be supporting the Democrat in November. There seemed to be sort of a, uh, a bit of schizophrenia in the speech, almost like we're going to yeah. go forward, but hey – Something else might happen. Not trying to be enemies. I don't know if she's doing that because she's really not going to be an enemy after it or if because she wants to maintain the support of the people who are on the other side, who yeah. are voting the other way right now. And uh, she has made it clear she intends to go on for the nomination. As she I'm going to work my heart out in West Virginia and Kentucky this month, and I, I intend to win them in November. You know, Denny, one of the reasons that I uh, have you here is because I would not be able to listen to an entire speech by Hillary Clinton, and I knew you'd be informed <laughs> on that. So I appreciate your willingness to sacrifice yourself for the information that all the rest of us need to get. Uh, anyway, uh, just changing topics slightly. Now, not completely, but just slightly. Uh, we need to make the point that when we talk about politics like this, of course, uh, we're talking about it on a radio station that is distinctively, deliberately, and essentially Christian. That's our commitment. We're committed to the cause of Christ. And I know that's my commitment in the classroom. It's why I teach at Criswell College. Uh, when I'm teaching in this environment, my goal is to communicate the values of Christ. And I'm sure those are your goals, too, right? Absolutely. Okay. And uh, in our expression of things on this radio program, we're not here to endorse a particular candidate. I'm saying that only because I want to maintain our IRS status. That's right. Uh, but also, no, I'm just kidding. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're literally, even if I did do it just for that reason, it wouldn't matter. We just don't endorse a particular candidate. That's not what we're for. But by the same token, uh, the issues are important enough that we do bring them up. It matters to us. And uh, I know you agree with that also. Uh, you do that all the time. And uh, when, when uh, uh, by the way, James Dobson was interviewed on this radio program, on Jerry Johnson Live, uh, he was very specific about who he was not going to be willing to vote for if he won the Republican primary. Do you remember when he said this? Speaking as a private individual, I would not vote for John McCain under any circumstances. Uh, I have a couple of ideas of why he said that, because I know some of the things John McCain stands for that are not quite as conservative as yeah. as most of us would Embryonic like for him to stem be. stem cell research. Is that one of the things, do you yeah, think, I believe it is. that influenced James Dobson's decision? Yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, and I'll, I, you know, I'll just give you this one other quote from James Dobson. I pray that we won't get stuck with him. <laughs> stuck with him. So it's very specific about what he doesn't want to happen in the White House. Now, is it appropriate for a Christian leader in the role of a Christian, to speak to who ought to be our president or who ought not to be our president or to choose a topic or an issue that ought to determine what we're going to do politically. And obviously, uh, we've taken the position as an institution here. And, uh, you know, I'm not speaking for the institution. I'm speaking for myself. But I serve this institution. You know, we've taken the position that there are some issues we have to speak to. Their moral significance is so weighty and the demands of theology are so absolute on those moral positions that we simply cannot be silent. Now, that's how I understand why I'm able to speak to abortion or some other issue. And there are other issues, but that is my first, just to be honest, uh, why I'm willing to speak to those issues on a pla- in a platform like this. Uh, if you're framing why you're willing to speak to politics in 30 seconds or less, Denny, uh, why would you say you're willing to do that even in a Christian environment? Well, there's no part of human life that is exempt from the lordship of Jesus. Okay. The gospel demands absolute obedience and devotion to Jesus, and that has implications for, you know, what I do individually in my marriage, what I do publicly at at, at my work, um, the the way that I think about politics, what kind of issues are going to be definitive for me in in my engagement in the public square. The gospel has implications for 
all of those things, and so you can't declare one part of life sort of off limits from the gospel. So is a person wrong in their Christianity? I didn't say are they not a Christian, but are they wrong in their Christianity if they don't agree on something that you believe comes out of your Christian values and is a part of the political or social marketplace? That is, we're dealing with it in a political or social well, context. Yeah, yeah, I would frame it a little bit differently. Right. I would say that I, I think this is what you mean, but hey, um, hey, hey, I yeah, mean, oh, go, no, go ahead. Well, you know, it's not my. In other words, I don't want to frame it in such a way that that what I think about things becomes the sole arbiter of what's good and no. what's, what's bad. So of it's course. flowing from my Christian beliefs. No, of course. We're about to talk about this document a lot, and they use right. the word faith all the time, well, I, which is sort of an anthropocentric term. <laughs> really, our ultimate authority— Meaning it's def- centered around us and that's, not God. That's exactly right. Our ultimate authority is the Scriptures, uh, what King Jesus has commanded to us in his Word and through his apostles. But I'm the person that's dealing with the Scripture. So when I read it, I, it has an impact on what I think. Sure. And I either believe that that's expressed in every part of my life, or I cut off a part of my life from being influenced by my Christianity. Uh, now, here's what I, I know you uh, have more to say on that, but, and we're definitely going to give you more time in just a second, Denny. But I want to ask you first about this Evangelical Manifesto so we can get it on the table sure. just before we get yeah. to the first break. And uh, the Evangelical Manifesto, this document that's come out, has been endorsed by and, in fact, produced by these certain Christian leaders. So can you tell us in the next minute or so who some of those leaders are and what might make them important as representatives? Yes. Well, this morning at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., we all remember the National Press Club. Oh, yeah. Jeremiah Wright just a week or two ago. Yeah. Uh, That's where he made his infamous speech recently. Well, the National Press Club hosted a group of evangelicals who released this document called the Evangelical Manifesto. Right. And uh, some of our listeners may be familiar with some of the names. They're mainly centrist uh, evangelicals uh, like Timothy George, Os Guinness, Richard Mao. He's the uh, president of Fuller Theological Seminary. David Neff. Neff, the uh, editor-in-chief of Christianity Today. Okay. All right. So they're the ones that sort of spearheaded this. They're on this. There's a, nine guys on the steering committee right. who've put out this document called an Evangelical Manifesto, and I think we're going to need to define it right after the break. Yeah, we are going to, but I, I will say, uh, as you read headlines coming out about it today, it looks like what would be the most important claim from this document is that evangelicals ought to pull back some from the political involvement that they appear to have had in the culture. And uh, so what we're wanting to do is figure out whether we agree with that or not, whether we think that's an appropriate claim for them to make. Have we compromised our Christianity by involving it too much in politics? I'm going to ask your opinion. We're going to talk about it ourselves. We're going to talk about this document when we come right back on Jerry Johnson Live. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. 
Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. All right, glad to be back with you with Denny Burke in the studio here also, and uh, pleased to spend this time now uh, starting to focus on this evangelical manifesto. I hate it when people call things like that, by the way. It's just a kind of an obnoxious name. But anyway, that's a personal sentiment that I have. Denny, you know, I really, I love talking to you. I just want to say this before we get any further into the program. Uh, I have some of my liveliest interchanges with you, and that's a real joy to me. I, oh, I yeah. A, I have a great me time too. talking to you, So, uh, which means we disagree on a whole lot of that's things. That's exactly what so, it means. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is a lot of fun. Uh, anyway, we do have a couple of callers on the line, but we're going to wait just a minute before we get to them. It's going to take us a couple of seconds to get there, and so I hope they'll hold on, and uh, we want to get their opinion real quickly. But first, uh, Denny, would you clarify for us why uh, some of these Christian leaders are coming out with this document, this evangelical manifesto? Well, the, their contention is, is that the term evangelical has become widely misunderstood today. True. And very much in the culture, it's been distorted to the extent that it's almost becoming not useful. And so their aim in the Evangelical Manifesto is to is twofold, really. They want to state what they mean by the term evangelical, right. what it means. Yeah. And then they want to talk about what being an evangelical means right. in our life together with you know, just in broader culture. Well, to, to, so, be, to be honest, I mean, we need to ask that question today, too, because yes. there's a lot of divergence on that opinion. That's exactly so. right. What is an evangelical, and what does that mean for, you know, our engagement in the public sphere? That's what they're really getting at. Okay. So, if, if, first of all, let me just say, if you want to call in and chime in on the answer to that question. Now, again, you could ask that question a lot of ways. I know a lot of you don't care about the word evangelical. I don't care that much about the word evangelical, although it has a long history. It's an important word, I guess, technically. But uh, for me, the questions come come down to, you know, how much do we have to agree on to be in the same camp? Uh, broadly speaking, uh, as a Christian disciple and a disciple maker, how much do I have a right to demand from anyone I'm going to admit is part of my group? Do I have a right to say, look, if you don't believe in the Trinity, you can't be a part of my group? Well, of course, almost all of us would agree on that, and we would say to be evangelical, you need to be Trinitarian. But there are people that wrestle with that today. So my question, the first question we're asking you is, if you'd like to call in, again, the number is 1-800-881-9270, 1-800-881-9270. The first question is, what is evangelical? What would it mean to you to include somebody in that group, or how would you identify yourself? as an evangelical? That's the first question. Now, in a few minutes, the second question is going to be, and you may want to answer this one when you call in first, is, are evangelicals too political? And I, you can answer that in a couple of different ways. Are there some social and political issues of which Christianity demands a particular view? Does Christianity have a right to say, you must think this way? Now, I don't mean force it, coerce it, but I mean to say, if you're going to be Christian, then this is the view that represents the Christian value system. Are there some issues that are like that? 
or should we take that off the table? Another way to answer the question would be this way. Are you in favor of your pastor or a seminary professor advocating a particular issue-based political or social position? Is it okay with you if your preacher stands up and says, look, you cannot vote for a guy who is pro-choice and be right with God? Is it okay with you if your pastor stands up and says that? Is it okay with you for that political issue to be attached to a Christian value system. Now, I'm asking both of those questions. We want to get your opinion. And in fact, I'm going to get to these callers because we've been holding them off long enough. So, uh, Paul from Frisco, thanks for calling. Thanks for holding on the line so long. And uh, tell us what you're thinking about. Yeah, I uh, have comments in reference to the second. My opinion is, in a democracy, you can't be too political because it's just part of what we can do and participate in this country. Now, if you look at any any given individual and they're their, all of their actions are exclusively political, and you look at other parts of their spiritual life that's deficient, then you might argue they're being too political. But on the whole, it's been my experience that every time the accusation of too political has been levied, it's really a smokescreen to say, I wish you guys would shut up and go away and quit reminding us about abortion. <laughs> Denny, what do you think? Well, I think it's a great point to make about democracy, because wouldn't we all agree that our Christian commitment, an evangelical commitment, means one thing in America, in a democracy, That's right. means one thing for us. It might mean something totally different for the per, the Christian in China. Right. In, in other words, sure. the way we engage in the public square is not going to be the same that the Chinese Christian engages in the public square or, 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 in, or the Christian in Saudi Arabia. It's just going to be different, okay? But we have a peculiar responsibility because so much of our public policies right. are shaped by whether or not you can win the hearts and minds of the 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 republic, yeah, I mean, sure. the people, you know? Sure. And so, you know, we have to make those arguments in the public square. But I even think, and Paul, I assume you agree with that, right? Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Paul, for your call. Uh, fantastic input. I just want to say, Denny, you know, when you say all of that, I think also beyond terms of persuasion, and maybe you weren't going this far, but, you know, if I'm the king, if I'm in a monarchy, and I'm the king, and I'm a Christian, then the decisions I make in my uh, kingdom are going to be based on my Christian values, or I'm a hypocrite. You know, it's just the reality right. of it. Okay, in a democracy, I am the king. Yes. I vote. My vote is my rule within my country. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense to say the people rule. De- democracy, you know, people exactly judge. Right. So if I'm the judge, then I walk into the voting booth, and I don't just vote what I think is going to work. I vote what I I believe is right, and I have to stay committed to that. Does that? I, I mean, am I just barking up the wrong tree here? Or? No, you're absolutely right. You can't. That's all check, I wanted to hear. You can't check your Christianity at the voting booth. That's. A, I appreciate that. Danny. And I, but, and I will say I mean, this: to, you, you know, for you know, our Christianity affects more than the voting booth. Absolutely. But we can't check our Christianity at the voting booth. Absolutely. So, so I don't go in the voting booth and vote pro-life, and then go outside and ignore children who need to be adopted. I can't do that. That's exactly I, I, right. I'm for that. Okay. Uh, Tom, uh, thanks so much for holding. I know it's taken forever to get to you, but you've been very patient. Uh, what's on your mind tonight? Well, Dr. Kramer I, uh, and uh, Dr. Burke, I appreciate uh, taking my call. Oh, thanks for calling. I, I think we need to redefine um, uh, evangelical nowadays because I think it's been watered down like the gospel has. So how would you uh, redefine it? What well, would you do? Uh, uh, what I'm trying to get at is here's a couple of these signers of this thing are the same ones who also signed that Yale letter with their response to the Muslims that say they worship the same God as a Muslim. Ah. And, uh, you know, Jesus is who he says he is, or he's a liar. And and this is, this has gotten to the point now where I don't even want to 
evangelical doesn't mean anything to me. I want to know if it's a biblical Meaning you, you don't want to be associated with uh, some uh, of the people who call themselves evangelical, is what you're saying. Not in the, I mean, you know, it's it's gotten to the point now where evangelical is a watered-down gospel. And, yeah. and these guys, uh, David Neff, uh, Richard Mao, for one, I know he said that himself, that we worship the same God as a Muslim. Right. Uh, that's blasphemy. Yeah, I understand why you're saying and, that. And so, I'm, I, you know... I just have to sit back and and not even consider what these people are saying. Sure, uh, we we believe sure. in the Bible and and Jesus Christ, who He is. I got you. I'm you know honestly, Denny. I, I'm kind of curious where you're coming from, Tom. Thanks so much for your call. I appreciate your input. Uh, I really do want to ask you about this real quickly, and we're going to get to our next caller in just a moment. And again, if you have an opinion on this, what does it take to be an evangelical? What does it take to be a part of this disciple disciple making camp where we're going to acknowledge that we share these common values? That's the first question. The second question is, are you okay with Christians being political? Basically, that's what we're asking. Is there a a just place for Christian values to be expressed in the political and social marketplace of our country? And so if you want to answer either one of those questions, call 1-800-881-9270. And if you'll just hang on the line for a few more minutes, Denny, uh, I want to ask you real quickly in terms of what he was talking about just now, whether it's important to you for us to be able to be identified with evangelicalism. Is that important to you or not important to you? Which well, way do you see it? Uh, it? It really depends. Could we just and, discard the yeah. name and move on? Well, you know, I think the name is important because it's being used so much. And and if I could just frame my response to your question this way, I think that I'm kind of divided on the document. There's some things in the document that I think are good. There's some things that are in the document that maybe could be not so good. Okay. okay? So uh, the good part of the document is this. They want the term evangelical to be defined theologically. In other words, they want right. the term evangelical to have a, a, a biblical substance sure. in and fact, theological substance. They say that very clearly. Here's an exact quote. We evangelicals should be defined theologically and not politically, socially, or culturally. That's, yes, that's a quote. and I think that that is good. I endorse that. There's a I, part of that I don't agree with, but, well, I'll, but I think you know why. Well, the, so. well I, I endorse it because I think that the, the term evangelical is used so much in the culture to refer right. to, you know, maybe a, a voting block. So it's defined politically or right. perhaps it's defined sociologically, just people, right, who, sure, people sure. who identify themselves as evangelicals. And, and where I see that as a problem is, is you've got some people who say, I'm an evangelical, right. and they deny the Trinity. Right. There uh, are yeah. large portions right. of people who identify themselves as evangelical who would not— So it's important not, to put the theological first. Yeah, and they, they would not fit the are. definitions that are set forth here in the Evangelical Manifesto. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the one of the first points here in their affirmation of belief is an affirmation of a Trinitarian perspective. Right. And, and obviously— that's critically important. Now, before you get to the part that you disagree with in the manifesto, because I want to come back to that in a second, let me get one more caller in uh, before we get to the break. And we've got a couple more on the line that we've got to get to, but we're not going to get to some of them until after the break. But, Larry, thank you so much for waiting and being patient. Uh, what do you have on your mind tonight? Well, I just wanted to weigh in the fact that we should uh, voice our opinion of Public Square. I think there is um, a sense in which Mike Huckabee was able to... <clears throat> be in the public square, and he was able to uh, promote biblical Christianity in a way that if he had not run uh, yeah. in the primaries, would have never happened. Yeah, actually, uh, God yeah, gave him take, take a quick listen to this uh, quote from Mike Huckabee. When a person says, my faith doesn't affect my decision-making, I would say that the person's saying their faith is not significant enough to impact their decision process. I tell people up front, my faith does affect my decision process. 
Now, the, it, just that, I, I'm assuming, Larry, that you're basically in agreement with what Huckabee was saying right there. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. if, if you truly are a born-again Christian and the Holy Spirit resides within you, then everything you think, say, and do, and your very core of your being is influenced by Christianity. Now, I just want to return. Larry, thank you so much for that call. I'm sorry we're running out of time here just in this segment. We're going to be right back to the topic in a minute, but I just want to clarify, Denny, that obviously you agree with that also, but you're uh, you're making the statement that there are times when our Christian value gets submerged in our political value uh, if we let go of the theology that we're supposed to hold on right, to first, right? right? So we don't have to compromise either, but we do have to be theologically right first. We have to know God Correct. himself. Well, we're going to talk about that and much more, uh, especially about this Evangelical Manifesto, when we come back right after this important break on Jerry Johnson Live. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. And fortunate not to be here alone, but with Associate Professor of New Testament, Denny Burke, also. And uh, we're continuing to talk about the Evangelical Manifesto. I know that wouldn't mean anything to us, except for the fact that there are some significant claims that they're making about how we ought to be identified as evangelicals. Now, we've uh, got some callers that are holding, and I appreciate your patience in holding. We're going to get right to you in just a moment. Uh, But first, Denny, I want to ask you a question. Uh, There are some people who have not been willing to sign on to this document, and I, I don't think anybody would exclude them from evangelical ranks. So uh, who are some of the holdouts? Well, uh, Jim Dobson probably is yeah. one of the most noted ones. Yeah. Uh, Jim, focus on the family. Right. And when you talk about engagement, evangelical engage, engagement in the public square, yeah. you know, why? How, well, he's right at the front. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't his name be on there? Or why wouldn't he be involved? Right. You know? Right. Uh, Tony Perkins. Right. A uh, friend of this program. Right. Sure. Uh, is not on it. Richard Land. Right. Uh, the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. Chuck Colson. Yeah. In other words, some of the, the the people who actually engage and make a difference politically. Sure. And and yeah. well, and the people who've been probably the most uh, ardent in their support of life. Yeah. And in their support of traditional marriage. Now, uh, we're going to take a caller in one second. But right before we do, I just want to ask you, do you think the reason they didn't sign? I know you can't speak for them, obviously. But as you just think through it, are they the target of this document? And I don't mean that personally, but I mean, is it written about their kind of political involvement? Uh, You know, I I really doubt that. You know these framers uh, would 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 say that that, that they would well, identify. They say it. You know, I, think I don't know. Say it it's total speculation on my part. Maybe they Mine would. Too. Maybe they wouldn't. But um, you know, it's it, I think it's, you're it's nice interesting guy. that that. Well, you know, I'm not going to. I just know some of the you know, <laughs> sure you know, you know them. some of these names on here. You know, you've right. I've met these guys. Or, right. One of them, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, or I've read things from them. Yeah, and sure. It's just hard to imagine that they're trying to target someone in particular. No, I, I don't think they're targeting but, a person, but that persona is what they're targeting. Uh, it seems to me that that would be yeah, fair. It, it seems like it, they've left themselves open to this. At least that, okay. that, that, tr- that criticism. At least my reading of it. They, they've left themselves open to my reading. Okay, listen, thanks for your patience in uh, holding on the line. Tim calling from Dallas. Thanks so much for waiting. What do you have on your mind? Well, uh, thank you, guys. I appreciate you taking my call. I just uh, hopped in the car and, and caught about the last 10 minutes, and I just thought it was interesting that you mentioned uh, James Dobson because his wife, Shirley, is the chairman of the National Day of Prayer, ah. and Ravi Zacharias just uh, 
led a prayer, and I think it was on the website, and it appears that he specifically did not use the name Jesus, um, even though, as far as I can tell, the New Testament, we are told to pray in Jesus' name. Right. Because it was a, a multi-faith gathering, uh, he decided to omit and just, if I think he said, in your holy name, or it didn't mention Jesus, said God, uh-huh. open the prayer, you wow. know, dear God, or... or Huh. Uh, and well, then closed it with, in your holy name, and there he was specifically right. asked, why aren't you using Jesus' name? I mean, you're a Christian. He was asked that? And, and the Dobsons are evidently going to air on the 13th and 14th on Focus on the Family, pretty much a response to why he didn't do that. Interesting. And uh, Shirley Dobson has been asked, you know, why they had the, the whole program was opened up by a rabbi who basically said, look, Muslims, yeah. Christians, Jews, we all pray to the same God, we're right. going to pray... And I would think Robbie now, Zacharias Tim, would say, you know what? No, we are not. We are here. Tim, Tim I want to ask you something real quick, because yeah. I, I don't want this to get bogged down in the wrong issue. Um, so here's the deal. On, in what you're saying, I think there's some legitimate concern there, because we don't want to compromise our Christianity so we can be in the public square. That's just not an acceptable thing to do. I, I know you agree with that, and that's Correct. your main concern, right? So, yeah, so I don't want to get caught up in the fact that I have to say the words in Jesus' name when I end a prayer. The last thing he's telling us to do is use vain repetition, which is what a lot of people are doing when they say the words in Jesus' name. So you, you don't want that. No, that, but that's but, not an excuse. Right. I'm going but we don't want to compromise the presence prayer. of Christ in it. So, Tim, I, man, that was a great call. I appreciate the information, first of all. I'm sorry I hadn't kept up with that and wasn't aware of it, but I'm, I'm going to be anxious to hear what happens with that because we just cannot afford, and you're right on this, we cannot afford to compromise our Christianity in order to be a part of the public square. There was a uh, clergy group in the city where I served as pastor in Arlington that met regularly, and they, all, they invited me to be a part of the group. And I know some of you are going to think I'm a radical nut, uh, not only because of that, but for other reasons, too. But anyway, I just refused to be a part because uh, it wasn't just a Christian group. And I, I and my priority is to be uh, a representative of Christ. Now, this wasn't just a secular group. I'd be a member of a secular group because I can represent Christ there and represent his value there. But this was a clergy group that's specifically representing the value of religion to the community. The value of religion to the community, to me, is singular. It's in the fact that we know Christ. That's why our religion is important to us, and nothing less than that. So thanks so much for your call, uh, Tim. Marty, let me get your uh, input real quickly. I appreciate your holding for so long, calling in from Plano. What's on your mind? Hi. Um, I just wanted to go back to the definition Good. of what an evangelical is to me. Perfect. Um, I think an evangelical believes that salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Mm-hmm. Therefore, an evangelical has a burden to share the gospel with the lost, instead of um, Christians that I know that say, quote, Christians that say Christianity is right for me, but there may be other avenues to salvation. Okay, Denny, now uh, responding to what Marty's just suggested, that that is identified, would you agree with it and the Evangelical Manifesto? How does it relate to that? Oh, yeah, she's absolutely right. And actually the Manifesto in the Theological Commitment section, it has a, a section that's Right on that, um, affirming the person and work of Jesus as central to our identity, the gospel itself as central to our identity, and the necessity to proclaim that gospel and to spread it. So those are certainly features of right. of evangelicalism that that they wish to emphasize, and those are good. Right. It's interesting that in uh, in North America in particular, um, evangelicalism has had that feature, an emphasis on regeneration, the necessity of conversion. Um, a, a connection to the great tradition of of, uh, 
uh, of Christianity right. the last two thousand years of you know Trinitarianism and right um, the Orthodox doctrines. That, yes, all of those things are there. But in Christianity in North America, evangelicalism in North America has also had a commitment to the doctrine of inerrancy. Right. Which is interesting that that's not that didn't appear on this. Oh, it's what, not anywhere in there. I no, didn't even, uh, no, 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 no. It's not in there. It, now that doesn't characterize the evangelical movement, say in Great Britain. Or elsewhere, right, but in right. our context, it has characterized Very evangelicalism in North America. It's not there, huh. so yeah. and it's also, you know, and you know, of necessity, sort of deficient of an ecclesiological perspective. But yeah, right. Uh, probably, um, I don't know if this is the right time to do this, but you know, my main concerns with with the manifesto. Now, are, I do want to hear that. What is it? Well, my main concerns are. Hey, Marty, it, thank you for your call so much. I appreciate your input. Is she still today. there? So, no, okay. I don't think so. All right. Okay. Sorry, Marty. I just wanted to make sure. I was talking over you. That's good. Um, probably my main concern would be the, the section on the implications that the manifesto has for evangelical engagement in the public square. Yeah, yeah, right. And it, they call on you know defining evangelical theologically good. They call on evangelicals to reform their own behavior. That's the second section of the document. Right. And then they call on evangelicals saying that we must rethink our place in public life. And in one section of how, you know, calling us to reform our behavior, right. it says that the statement says that we need to be moving away from single-issue politics. Yeah. And um, the two issues that are sort of associated with evangelical um, public engagement are abortion. Right. And traditional marriage, those are the two that are there now. They're mentioned in this document. Right. And they say, we don't want to reduce our commitment to those two issues. Right, sure. But then they say, but we do need to bring other issues to the table. Right. We don't want to be single issue involved in single-issue politics. Right. Um, you realize you are a single-issue politician, right, Denny? You don't I, care well, about anything else, do you? Uh, well, um, I think that there's more. Th- this is where I think it's unclear. What do you mean by single-issue politics? Yeah. Well, you know, now, single-issue politics. crazy. Single-issue politics can mean I only care about one issue. Right. Um, well, none of us are single-issue or into yeah, single-issue nobody, politics. Nobody in would sense. ever mean, but mean that. Or um, at least nobody But certainly we're all into single-issue politics in the sense that it's possible for a person or a candidate or for to be so wrong on an issue, sure. on a certain issue, that they would be disqualified no matter how good they are on yeah. every other issue. Can you, imagine, can you imagine in 1933 in Germany, okay, let's say they're having an election, National Socialists are one party and there's some other party running against them, and uh, everybody's holding up signs in support of the National Socialist Party saying, it's the economy, stupid. Can, yeah. you, can you imagine that ha- and <laughs> us looking exactly back right. on that and thinking it was acceptable? So go ahead. I'm sorry. I well, you. well, you're you're pointing out that what I'm pointing out. I mean, the that regime was so immoral, and we all look at it and agree how immoral that regime was. Sure. It doesn't matter how well the economy was doing under Hitler; they were immoral for the Holocaust and a host of other reasons, uh, right. land grabs and right. so forth. Sure. Well, what the pro-life movement has been arguing for so long is that the Abortion on demand is a transcendent moral issue. Right. Absolutely. And it's transcendent. It goes to the heart of what it means to be created in the image of God. That's it's right. the taking of innocent human life. And yes, we want to be concerned about poverty. We want to be concerned sure. about the environment in sure. its pro- proper place and all these things. But sure. abortion on demand is a transcendent moral issue. And, you know, I. 
I'm afraid sometimes that as we raise the priority of other issues, we are saying abortion no longer is the, a transcendent issue. Right. And I think that that is wrong. Well, and, and, you know, what, is it, what does it do to you if somebody says, well, look, I want to vote for somebody who is for the poor and they're pro-choice. And so I'm just going to choose not to make abortion my primary issue and make poverty my primary issue. Uh, isn't that an acceptable position for somebody to hold? Well, you know, I don't, you know, whatever I'm your being position. Rhetorical here. Yeah, I know that. You know, I don't care what. Let's just talk about electoral politics here for a minute. Right, sure. I don't care what a candidate's view is on the welfare state. Right. Or, um, you know, how, how, how are we going to deal with poverty in America if they think that it's legal to right. kill humans? And that's the that's the big difference here. That's right? it's a transcendent moral issue. Right. Because the revelation that they're willing to allow innocent human beings who are defenseless to be slaughtered tells me that their concern over poverty isn't a concern for the people. It's not a concern for the individuals. It is a concern for either either personal wealth or just for aggrandizing personal power to themselves. We'll be talking more about this when we come back in just a few moments on Jerry Johnson Live. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. I am very grateful that I had a grounding in faith that gave me the courage and the strength to do what I thought was right, regardless of what the world thought. Well, it is certainly true on every side that when candidates think bringing faith into the political arena will help them, uh, that they do it. There's no doubt about that. We all know that. In fact, not only has uh, Hillary Clinton done it, but Republicans have done it thoroughly, and uh, so has Barack Obama. I am so grateful to be here today, giving all praise and honor to God. Look at the day that the Lord has made. Oh, look at the day that the Lord has made. We're using all that Bible language. We're getting all of the feelings of a, you know, faith revival going, but it's all a political movement. It's really, and we have that on both sides. That does happen on both sides. So what does that mean? Uh, We've got to get out of the political square as believers, or do we as Christians actually bring our faith into the public square and not demand that people have faith to be a part of the public square, but demand that we be allowed to speak our faith in the public square, because it is one of the ideals that we hold. Here's, here's what, I, Denny, you were talking about this just before we uh, went to the break there. 
And what I want to ask you is this. Uh, would you say that the people who wrote this document, the Evangelical Manifesto, would you say that it's the purpose of their writing this manifesto to demote, and this is a pretty strong claim, but I just want to know if you think this is the case, just your opinion. Do you think their purpose is to demote the issue of abortion in our current political environment to uh, something below uh, some other political issues that I don't know whether they have in mind particular ones or not, but are they trying to demote the significance of the political issue of abortion? What do you think? Oh, they say in the document that's not their purpose. They say they just want to raise the priority of other um, issues. Um, my question is, is that in raising the priority, does it does it not, by definition, make abortion not a, a transcendent moral issue anymore? Right. And the reason I'm saying that is I don't think that they intended to do what you're asking, but I wonder if their achievement was not that. Right. Uh, because the way that the document has been read, you know, just to give you, for instance, uh, Reuters, the new service Reuters, already has a story out today interpreting the document just this way. It says, let me quote from the story. It says, the evangelical manifesto is the latest sign of emerging fractures as some activists seek to broaden its agenda beyond hot-button social issues, yeah. such as opposition to abortion and right. gay rights. In other words, they're Man. saying... The, the interpretation by the Reuters article is we're getting beyond these issues. Right. And, you know, one of the uh, charter signatories of the manifesto is Jim Wallace. Right. Who just in recent weeks did an interview with Christianity Today. Okay. And when he was asked, you know, what the prophetic stance is on abortion. Right. He said it's abortion reduction. Yeah. He thinks all of the evangelical activism to um, you know, like, for instance, the uh, having a, a pro-life amendment. Right. Or uh, he says all that stuff is unnecessary. Um, he, you know, it, it it doesn't matter, really, that in this country right now, any time from zero to nine months, it is legal right. to kill an unborn human. That's right. It's totally legal to That's do right. that. A person like Wallace thinks that we don't need to be trying to overturn that or to try right. to have a Supreme Court judges right. appointed who would see Roe v. Wade overturn. Right. Way to overturn. He right. doesn't want to see that. To me, that's a priority in my Absolutely. engagement in the public square. Absolutely, which uh, definitely is is you know related to electoral politics. Which Absolutely. means I want to see judges appointed who will overturn that immoral decision. That you know was what decided I think. In you know what I think part of the problem is. You know what I think part of the problem. I know. I know that what they say the problem is is that we've become so myopic on that one issue that we've overlooked a lot of other issues. But that I, I don't believe that's true. If it is true, then they're right. I need to repent about being myopic, but not about the value that I give to that issue. That's not the problem. The problem is maybe that I'm too inconsiderate of other issues. Okay, I'm fine with that. But here's here's the reality. I think the problem is it's not a popular issue anymore. Uh, when you bring up abortion now, everyone hears 1970s and 1980s arguments. That's what they think in their mind. Oh, we're going back to the same cotton-picking issue we've been talking about for the last 30 years. Why can't you guys move on? Did you know, Denny, that just months after we discovered Buchenwald in Germany, you know, the prison camp, mm -hmm. the death camp, they started immediately showing newsreels in America about the prison camps. That just months after it, in fact, in an article I read, we discovered it, I think, in March or April, if, if I remember correctly. And in June, I don't remember I, I don't remember it personally, I mean having read about it. Yeah. But in June of that year, I read in uh, these uh, popular uh, intellectual journals, though, uh, a description of what was going on in the movie theaters. What would happen in June or July, just two or three months after they discovered the prison camps, is that people had 
turned from this revulsion that they had the first few times that they saw a newsreel to uh, a simple, uh, as the article put it, tisk tisk when they saw it, to the fact that they would actually turn away or walk out or go buy their candy or leave the theater so that they didn't have to watch these newsreels because they didn't want to hear about all the gruesome things that had been going on in Germany two or three months after they found out about the Holocaust, one of the worst atrocities of the 20th century. And now we look back on abortion, which has been happening for the last 40 years, unabated, and uh, we say, of course, people are tired of hearing about it. And so, of course, evangelical leaders are saying, look, this is not an effective way to speak to people, and it's not an issue of great importance. But what they mean by that is, I think, ultimately, whether they want to be defined this way or not, what they mean by it is, uh, we're not gaining any ground that way, so we might as well just stop talking about it. Well, I just think that relegates our prophetic role to insignificance. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I for one am not going to stop treating abortion as a transcendent moral issue. It is. I'm with you. And I think that we need to argue for it in the public square. We need to defend the unborn. I think we need to support. And by the way, the pro-life movement has done this. They've been supportive of adoption. They've been supportive of mothers in, in a crisis pregnancy situation. There's crisis pregnancies all over the country. I don't think you could say that the, the pro-life movement in particular has right. not been attending to these other concerns because they, they have. Right. That, oh, that charge I, I agree. I agree 100 percent. won't stick. Listen, I know we haven't had time to resolve this thing completely or to talk about it thoroughly at all, but at all. we've at least gotten it introduced. But I, I want to play a clip, one more clip for you, make a quick comment and get your feedback on it. This is from Jeremiah Wright. It went down very simply. He's a politician. I'm a pastor. We speak to two different audiences. And he says what he has to say as a politician. I say what I have to say as a pastor. Those are two different worlds. I do what I do. He does what politicians do. So that what happened in Philadelphia, where he had to respond to the sound bites, he responded as a politician. Now, I know he's saying that insultingly to Barack Obama, but I want you to hear the underlying thing that I think's there, Denny, and get your feedback to this in just a few seconds. One is, uh, he said, we speak to two different congregations, but they're not two different congregations. They're the same group of people. He's speaking to the same people at a different time, but I think it's built into the mentality that a lot of us have about this world, that we speak about Christianity in one domain, and we speak about politics in another domain, and that's why he let that vocabulary slip through, and that's what I don't agree with. I don't think we should have different domains in our own mind. We should be integrated as Christians. What's your feedback on that real quickly? Yeah, I don't believe in the naked public square. Uh, You know, I believe that we should have... what you mean by that is? I think that we should be allowed to bring the gospel to bear upon every aspect of our lives. Yeah, and we're not advocating a sacred public square either. We're not saying that you have to be a Christian to speak in the public square. But if you allow Christian ideas to be expressed among all the other ideas, we'll do just fine. Our commitment to Christ is absolute. Everything we do is in Jesus' name. I'm Barry Creamer with Denny Burke for Jerry Johnson Live. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.